Chapter Eight of the Shadow of Victory. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Natalie Paula. The Shadow of Victory by Myrtle Reed. Chapter Eight Thoroughbreds. The guard was double that night, and the small force was ready for instant action. Sentinels patrolled the river bank and stood at the gates while in the blockhouses the cannon were trained through the portholes and men kept vigilant watch at three o'clock the terrified bleating of the sheep aroused every one but the children a sentinel fired his musket and retreated to the fort then a heavy gun rumbled ominously once again the parade ground filled with people what is it what is it they cried indians captain franklin explained they went after the horses but didn't find them so they stabbed the sheep and turned them loose the sentry saw some of them in the pasture and fired and then ran to the fort a tomahawk just missed him it grazed his head and struck a wagon wheel the cannon must have frightened them away so it proved for the next morning a trail of blood led away from the pasture toward the woods the sheep lay dead on the plains around the fort but search parties found nothing though they scoured the woods thoroughly for miles around Shanay appeared at the usual time for work but refused to say where he had been when he was asked unpleasant questions he always pretended that he did not understand and from this position neither man nor woman could swerve him from a hair's breadth lieutenant howard with four men went up the river to lee's and buried the two victims of the night before it wasn't good to look at he said to ronald when he returned i know answered the ensign i found out that much last night i didn't dare strike a light but i felt he turned his face away and swallowed hard don't tell the women he concluded i won't said howard and i've made the boys promise not to talk there's no use in making things worse than they are major sat at ronald's feet listening intelligently and thumping the ground vigorously with his bushy tail poor old boy said his new master affectionately it was pretty bad wasn't it he's a nice dog isn't he howard washing would help him he's going to have his spring bath the first warm day how do you suppose dogs know whom they belong to major knows he's mine and nobody could get him away from me beatrice came out of captain franklin's and took a careful survey of the fort it was a gloomy place at best but the disorder of the night made it worse good morning said the lieutenant as he passed her on his way home good morning returned the girl including ronald in the salutation then she whistled to the dog but he paid no attention to the call other than to lean heavily against his master he's mine laughed ronald meeting her and you can't have him how do you like living in the fort i don't like it she answered disdainfully it's about as cheerful as a tomb i'm glad we're going home ronald lifted his eyebrows inquiringly who's going home why all of us uncle john aunt elner the children and-and cousin rob oh no you're not you're going to stay here who said so i say so replied george mischievously can't i go out of the fort no we'll see said beatrice tossing her head she ran to the gate but he was there before her and effectually barred the way let me pass she said icily i'm sorry miss manning but you can't go without permission from the captain you are under military orders and no soldier or citizen is to leave the fort without a guard after sunset no one but the sentries can pass through the gates for how long demanded beatrice till the captain orders otherwise and i'm to stay here then without a hat or even a clean handkerchief until his majesty sees fit to let me go to my own home in broad daylight the color flamed in her cheeks and her eyes snapped dangerously 
the ensign was enjoying the situation hugely and thought beatrice was the prettiest girl he had ever seen in fact he was on the point of saying so but fortunately thought better of it you can go if i go with you he suggested then i'll stay here announced beatrice with unconcealed scorn she walked away from him with her head high and straight to captain franklin gone to see if i lied to her laughed ronald to himself she's a meddlesome damsel devilish meddlesome that is my order said the captain in answer to her question and it must be obeyed can't i go home at all certainly for a few minutes at a time ask ensign ronald to go with you this afternoon the captain turned away and beatrice gazed at his retreating figure with fire in her eyes fool she said aloud stamping her foot i won't ask him i'll stay here till i die before i'll ask him captain franklin's house immediately became offensive to her and she knew robert was at catherine's teaching the children the parade ground was odious because ronald was walking briskly around it for exercise her uncle passed her with the coolest kind of a nod remembering what she had said about robert the night before and she began to wish she had never left fort wayne only the stables remained and she was there to see a friend who never failed her queen pranced in her stall and tapped with her dainty hoofs impatiently i can't take you out beauty she said sadly because they won't let us leave the fort queen put her nose into the girl's neck and was immediately slapped you're not allowed to do that said beatrice sternly turning away queen whinnied and beatrice understood that the offender was very sorry and very lonely and would never do it again so she went back i'll take you around the fort if you'll be good she said her saddle was hanging there but she preferred to ride without it so she replaced the halter with a bridle and went out mounted hoping ronald was not there but he was still walking around the parade ground with major in his wake queen pricked up her ears but went on obediently at the slow pace which was better than nothing ronald smiled to himself as beatrice crossed and turned so that if he kept on he would appear to be following her twice three times the procession went around the square with the dog bringing up the rear before a bright idea struck the ensign by slow degrees he slackened his pace and as they passed lieutenant howard's for the fifth time mrs mackenzie came out on the piazza what's the matter b she called can't you catch him in half a minute queen was in her stall much surprised and not a little displeased at the sudden termination of her exercise you wretch whispered beatrice as she dismounted whatever possessed you to follow him the coast was clear when she left the stables but she went to mrs howard's in a bad humour she was not upon good terms with any one would have started back to fort wayne that afternoon if it had been possible she smiled grimly as she realized that by her own act she had forever cut herself off from her friends there i'll have to fight it out here she said to herself i seem destined to fight mrs franklin went to mrs howard's to invite beatrice to dinner and was much disappointed when she refused thank you beatrice said trying hard to be pleasant but i'll stay with auntie and cousin kit this time i haven't a doubt you'll get tired of me though before his high mightiness lets me go home she could have bitten her tongue out for the unlucky speech but to her relief the captain's wife misunderstood i saw you at the gate this morning she laughed arguing with george it's no use he always has his own way what a narrow escape she exclaimed as mrs franklin went out aunt eleanor this is one of my bad days you mustn't say any day is bad dear replied mrs mackenzie because each one is what we make it we begin afresh every morning with the day in our own hands i'm sorry this has happened but i'm very glad we had the fort to come to and i'm sure you can find something pleasant here if you only look for it 
Nine people crowded around Mrs. Howard's table at dinner-time, but Mackenzie and Robert barely spoke to Beatrice. The tribal instinct was strong in the traitor, and Robert was of his blood. Catherine perceived that something was wrong, and did her best to produce harmony, in which she was ably seconded by her husband. The lieutenant was in a very pleasant frame of mind. "'Cousin B,' said Ellen, "'are you coming to visit the school this afternoon?' Beatrice was talking with Catherine, and did not seem to hear. "'Cousin B,' screamed Maria Indiana, "'is o tummin?' "'No, dear,' answered Beatrice quickly. "'Why not?' asked Mrs. Mackenzie innocently. "'It might amuse you, B.' "'I doubt it,' said the girl. "'I'm going to help Kit.' "'Cousin Rob put her out,' exclaimed Johnny, "'because she told a lie. "'Above everything else on earth, "'Beatrice hated to wash dishes, "'but she plunged into the work with a will after dinner, "'as a penance and in spite of Mrs. Howard's protests. "'It's so good of you to help me,' sighed Catherine, "'as the last dish was put away. "'For Mother is tired out, and I have a headache. "'None of us slept much last night, I fancy.' i know i didn't but i seldom sleep in the daytime i wish you and aunt elinor would go and lie down i can take care of myself all right answered catherine if you don't mind beatrice sat by the window a little while after the house became quiet then went over to mrs franklin's but there was no response at her rap everybody's asleep i guess she said to herself she went to the gate and looked out longingly into the bright spring sunshine the sentinel passed her with his musket over his shoulder and went on around the fort she heard his measured steps die away in the distance and wondered mechanically how long it took him to make the round it seemed a long time before she heard him coming a pirogue was tied to a sapling on the river bank and the oars lay near it across the stream the lonely house was beckoning to her to come she slipped out of the gate and leaned up against the stockade outside then the sentry passed again against orders miss he said what asked beatrice standing outside oh she said returning to the gate can i stand here yes m'm if you don't go no farther orders is to stay inside all right she smiled brilliantly then inquired in a tone of polite interest are you all alone here yes m'm my maid's at mess too bad it's only for you isn't it yes m'm but i'm used to it he went on and she watched him until he turned around the first corner a backward glance assured her that the parade ground was deserted so she edged out of the gate again and under the cover of the stockade ran to the pirogue snatched up the oars and started across the blood beat hard in her pulses but she was not afraid and the rare delight of disobeying military orders set her head a-whirl she had expected to see the esplanade fill with soldiers shouting to her to come back but nothing happened she reached the other bank safely tied the pirogue and ran into the house from the window of the living-room she saw the sentry pass once more his head was bowed and he did not notice that the boat was gone then ronald came out of the fort alone and took another boat she shrank back to the farthest corner of the room and her heart stood still until she saw him turn upstream there she said to herself he's disobeying orders too for he's gone without a guard if he can do it there's no reason why i shouldn't unconsciously beatrice had sustained a high nervous strain for too long a period the quarrel with her aunt and uncle at fort wayne had been an affair of no small moment at the time and the preparation for the journey and the long horseback ride had told upon her strength the excitement of her arrival new scenes and new faces and the fright of the night before had taxed her still further and her trouble with robert had hurt her more deeply than she knew she reached the fine dividing line between a letdown and a break the indescribable loneliness of the house was depressing the bare walls seemed to whisper back and forth and the table still set for supper 
had a ghastly look about it. The rooms were not merely alone, but untenanted. Cold ashes lay upon the hearths, and the dust had settled upon the chairs, and the sunlight outside only served to heighten the gloom. In the schoolroom the books were piled neatly upon the table, and the slates were clean, ready for the next day's task. She experienced an unwanted twinge of conscience as she entered, unrebuked, and remembered how exasperating she had been. At the fort she thought of many things she needed, but now her errand seemed purposeless, and the pleasures of disobedience began to pall. She went into her room, gathered up some of her toilet articles, and stood there listlessly, watching the sentinel as he passed again without missing the boat. They're fine soldiers, she said to herself. They know lots. Then her heart gave a great leap, for there was a soft step at the back door. Someone had entered very quietly, and she became as cold and immovable as if she had been made out of stone. The cat-like tread moved slowly into the living room, and she trembled like an aspen. She tried to raise the window, thinking she could scream as she could not get out, but her hands shook so that it was useless. Meanwhile, the intruder came nearer, with the same stealthy steps. No one had crossed the river, and the sentinel was not in sight. Someone opened the door of the schoolroom and closed it with the least possible noise. Then the hushed steps came nearer still, but the window would not move. Her door was open, but she knew the flimsy lock would not hold, even if she could manage to shut it. An instant now. She tried to shut her eyes, but could not. Horror upon horror came upon her. Then Ronald entered her room. For a blind instant the earth whirled beneath her, and the floodgates opened, and Beatrice wept. He did as any other man in his place would have done, and put a protecting arm around her, but, though sorely tempted, manfully refrained from kissing her. "'I'm so sorry I frightened you,' he said with a bitter self-reproach. "'Don't, Beatrice, Miss Manning, please don't cry any more.' As soon as she was conscious of her position, she drew away from him, still sobbing. It was not only her fright, but the natural result of the high tension at which she had lived for more than a week. He left her and rummaged around till he found a bottle of brandy, and then he brought her back a glass of water, liberally strengthened with it. Here, he said, drink this. She obeyed, and in a few minutes began to recover her self-possession. How did you get here? she asked. I went up the river a little way, landed on this side, and walked down to the back door. You don't suppose I'd let come over here alone, did you? Did you see me when I came? certainly i expected you to do just what you did and i kept my eye on you i knew you were in the house because i saw the boat outside but i didn't mean to frighten you i just thought i'd look around till we met you walked so softly she said with quivering lips did i that's the first time i've ever been accused of that it must have been your imagination perhaps she answered with a long sigh if you have everything you want we'll go back now scarcely conscious of what she did she scooped to pick up the things that had fallen to the floor. They seemed utterly useless for all time, but she felt the necessity of the action. As they turned to leave the room, he took her cold hands in his and looked down into her wet eyes. Promise me, he said, that you will never again disobey a military order. She hesitated, and he repeated it. How do you know I'd keep a promise, she asked, to gain time, because you're a thoroughbred. Something in his eyes subdued her. I promise, she said, almost in a whisper. All right. Now, we will not say anything about this to anyone. Do you understand? She was still trembling when he helped her into the pirogue, and neither spoke while they were crossing. When they entered the gate, Captain Franklin met them. Did she ask you to take her over? he inquired of Ronald. The ensign's eyes met his squarely. Yes, sir. Did you go together? I thought I saw you going alone. We went together. She was waiting for me outside. Very well. 
I will have no disobedience of my orders. Remember that, both of you. Don't faint, George whispered warningly, as the captain walked away. It's all right now. That's the first time I've ever lied, in my official capacity. Beatrice put a small, icy hand into his own. Thank you, she said quietly. You're a thoroughbred, too. End of chapter 8